If y'all have your Bibles, and I hope you do, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 24 with me this morning. A passage that we actually spent a couple of weeks in earlier this year when Jesus, well, excuse me, when two men on the road from Jerusalem, the road to Emmaus, found themselves walking with Jesus, not realizing it. We will get to it in a moment. We are in Advent. This is the fourth Sunday of Advent. Thank you, Eason and Aaron, for helping light our candles this morning in that beautiful time. We have, we have gotten to do some things together this morning in celebrating um, Jesus and all that the gospel means for us today. I am so grateful. Three weeks ago, we looked at longing for purpose as we looked at the stories of Simeon and Anna from Luke 1. And then two weeks ago, we looked at longing for control as we looked into the story in Genesis 11 of the, the people at Babel or Babylon. And then last week, we looked at Joseph, uh, patriarch Joseph and his brothers of Genesis 45 and Joseph's story and what longing for relationship looks like. And this week we turn our attention to longing again, but specifically longing for a hero. And we don't bury the lead, uh, I hope, ever. Our hero is Jesus. But it's important to consider all of the ways that this has been missed around the time when Jesus lived and, and that Steve just mentioned in his beautiful prayer but also as it's been missed in the 2,000 years since then. As we, the church, try to live out this calling that has been put on our lives. I do want to start actually a few pages over from Luke 24. So keep your finger um, there and turn to the book of Acts, which we believe Luke also wrote, helped write. In chapter 1, this would be familiar to you, but it connects with where we are today. Look down at verse 6. This is in the, the days after Jesus' resurrection. And he is spending time with his disciples and his closest followers. And the text reads in verse 6, Acts 1. So, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord... Are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This, this is a seminal passage for us who follow and are being formed by Jesus. It's passages such as this, encounters between Jesus and his disciples such as this that inform and, and, and motivate us to go to Rogersville as we did this week. We prayed for the team last week and our prayers worked. They had a, a great, exhausting trip to participate in all of the opportunities they were afforded to have gospel conversations with the folks in Rogersville as we continue that Relationship. It is being God's witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And Jesus said these words to his disciples to encourage them in a time where there was a, uh, 
a lot of question about what had happened in Jerusalem. Why had Jesus died and, and what has his life really meant? Yet the resurrection answers all of those questions. But the two men on the road to Emmaus had not yet bought into the resurrection. And as we look back in Luke 24, we'll begin with verse 21. And at this point in this encounter, if you remember a few months ago when we were here, the, the two men had spent time telling this stranger that they were walking with, who was Jesus. They didn't realize that at this time. And it wasn't strange for people to just join up and, and walk together. My understanding is it was less strange than it is now. I've told you often that I lament that we are more of a back porch society than a front porch society anymore. And what I mean by that is we are less likely to have these random encounters where we pour into one another's lives what we see going on in this story where people just hooked up on the road and began in conversation. And these two men were pouring their heart out to this stranger they were walking with, who was Jesus, who they didn't realize, and telling him all the things that they wished had been true that seemed like were not true in light of what had gone on in Jerusalem with Jesus dying. And in verse 21, they confess to this stranger who was Jesus, who they didn't realize was Jesus. And they say, but we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Happened. Moreover, some women from our group um, astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb. And when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who, who said he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but, but they didn't see him. And he said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Verse 27, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. Church, I'm really looking forward to Christmas Eve. It's on Friday. It's already here, believe it or not. We were not able to gather last Christmas Eve. We decided not to. I was so sad. This year we're going to meet twice because we didn't meet last year. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're actually having two services on Friday because... Um, we want to give you a room to, to spread out. Uh, we are still very much in this pandemic. I'm not trying to be an alarmist, but we're just, I'm just being a realist. So we want to try to meet everybody where they are. Plus, I've always wanted to have two services at the church I get to pastor. I think I'll be a pretty good preacher the second time around. <laughs> I'm so excited to get together with you. Now, I will go ahead and let you know, just in case any of you were here two years ago. And it, it, I, was, I was overwhelmed two years ago. I'd only been here for a, a few months, and we got here on Christmas Eve. And I remember my pastor at the church, where I was associate pastor, where I came from, he always said Christmas Eve was his favorite. And I had never been the lead pastor, you know, on Christmas Eve. And, and it is. It's so cool. And this room was totally full. There were like 600 people here, and it was overwhelming. And I had planned to do the, we had planned to do the Christmas story with the children gathered around. It's beautiful. We're going to do it this week too, and it's going to be great. Now, two years ago, I, you know, rookie 
uh, I prepared so hard the Christmas story, and I did it from one of my favorite children's Bibles, and the staff all did it together, and we had, everybody had folders, and we had highlighted the parts we were going to read, and it was, it was great, and then we did it, and I realized about halfway through that it's already too long, and we're only halfway through, and I was sweating huge, huge sweat drops, and mortified that I had messed up that bad, so we're going to do it again this year, but Hannah's taking care of it, and it won't be... 107 minutes or whatever it was two years ago. The Bible I used to put that together is one of my favorite children's Bibles. Perhaps you're aware of it. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's written by Sally Lloyd-Jones. And if you have not seen it or read it, I commend it to you highly. And in her book of stories from the Bible, she begins with a, a story that kind of puts the whole Bible into perspective. And it's really beautiful. I'm going to read a short part of it for you today. Listen. Listen to what she says before she jumps into Genesis 1 and the creation story. She says, now some people think the Bible is a book of rules. And the Bible certainly has some rules in it. Uh, they, they show you how life works best. But the Bible isn't mainly about what you should or shouldn't be doing. It's about God and what God has done. And I would add what God is doing. Other people think the Bible is a book of heroes showing you who you should copy. Well, the Bible does have some heroes in it, but most of the people in the Bible aren't heroes at all. They make big mistakes, sometimes on purpose. They, they get afraid and they run away, and at times they are downright mean. No, the Bible isn't a book of rules or a book of heroes. The Bible is most of all a story. It's an adventure story about a young hero who comes from a far country to win back his lost treasure. It's a love story about a brave prince who leaves his palace, his throne, everything to rescue the one he loves. There are lots of stories in the Bible, but all the stories are telling one big story. The story of how God loves God's children and has come to rescue them. And at the center of this story, there is a baby. And every story in the Bible whispers his name. Don't you want to read that storybook Bible? One of the guys, professors, reverends that I got to spend some time with in seminary's name is Willie James Jennings. He is professor of African studies and New Testament professor at Yale Divinity School. And he, uh, it was a joy to spend a few days with him. He told us his story when we got to spend time with him. And he, like Marty, who was on the piano today, who's with us, is from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And Grand Rapids is an interesting place because it's a, it's a theological hub in Grand Rapids. There's a denominational um, uh, headquarters there. Zondervan Publisher is there. There's a whole lot of people there that teach the Bible, that know the Bible, that are theological by trade. And this is where Jennings grew up. And he was in the black church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And he says everyone that his family worshipped with, their family, their church family, they were all from the South and part of the great migration. And, and, and Willie, Reverend Jennings, told us about his experience growing up in that community, his experience with the Bible that formed him to be who he has become, which is one of the greatest teachers of the Bible out there. He says he was always, from as early as he can remember, inside the gospel story. He says, I was inside a story people. 
He, he saw in his family this lived out. They, they didn't just read the Bible together, but they did read the Bible. But they didn't just do that. They lived the Bible, Jennings says. He, he talks about the characters who Sally Lloyd-Jones says aren't heroes after all, but those characters that we read, Ruth and Joseph that we looked at last week, or, or Jacob and his family, including Joseph. Any, any of those people in the Bible that you may recognize, when Willie was a young man, he, he thought these folks were his cousins, They had a ton of cousins and his family talked about the Bible stories, the people in them, just like they were part of the family. He didn't recognize the difference at a young age. And what he realizes now as one of the foremost teachers of the Bible is that the greatest lesson he ever learned about the Bible was from his mama and his mama making sure his family knew that this world, the world they were in, the world that we're in, This world is this world. How cool it would be to, from a young age, not recognize the difference. This world is that world. The world of the Bible was his world. He was introduced, he was, he was not introduced first to it as a text, but first as a biblical life. The stories were sung and and prayed and and, and danced. They were woven into every meal the family shared together. They were woven into all of the points of instruction that we as parents have to give to our children. But they are layered with the truths in the Bible, not as axioms or principles, but as stories. This is how it happened then. And this is what is happening now. Can't you see the connection? Of course, there's a connection because this is what God is like. If we can't see the connection, that's on us. Because this story, this is that right here. Jennings proclaims it was first a living story. And what is the story, Jennings? told us it's God claiming us. What does Sally Lloyd-Jones say at the center of that story? There's a baby and every story in the Bible whispers his name. So the story we looked at last week, Joseph and his brothers, can, can you relate to being in that story? Can you see that story as a part of our own story that we are in now? Have you ever dealt In forgiveness, can you see Jesus's name whispered in that story? Joseph is modeling the very way that God, through Jesus, has treated us and does treat us. We are forgiven, modeled so beautifully today by Sean and Melissa in the baptismal waters. Or how about the book of Exodus? If you know that story, if you've spent any time with it, as the Israelites put the blood of their little lambs on the doorway so that death would pass over on that fateful night. Do we in our moment now see Jesus, the Lamb of God in that story? Or how about in the book of Numbers when the Israelites, having left Egypt, were wandering through the desert in search of what God had promised them and God was meeting them every day. What's the song by Rich Mall? I don't know if you know it. Everywhere I go, I say, Lord, you're leading me. 
with a cloud by day and then in the night the glow of a burning flame and everywhere I go I see you do you? they did by day the cloud by night the fire God is not different The way we recognize God's presence. Can we understand it? As they saw the cloud and the fire as being with us. How about the story of Ruth that we looked at earlier this year? Boaz, the kinsman redeemer for Ruth and ultimately for Naomi. His place in that story points us to Jesus who is our redeemer. And at the center of this story is a baby. Every story in the Bible whispers his name. And that story, Reverend Jennings tells us, is God claiming us always. Jesus did not go easy on these two men on the road to Emmaus. It wasn't just like what we just walked through a few of those stories, but he did help them connect the dots with these stories. But before that, he said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Verse 27, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. Oh, to get to be in the shoes of those men walking with Jesus on the road with the hero having the story explained to us. Lately, one of our sons, maybe all of our sons, but one of our sons I know has been reading the Bible a lot. And I'm fired up about that because we don't, we don't mandate it in our house at this point. Maybe we, we should. I don't know. I, I, I need y'all's help parenting. We're, we're just walking with Jesus, trying to do the best we can. My parents didn't make me read the Bible, and I appreciate that. I'm grateful that God saved me, and I was prone to do it on my own. And at least one of my sons is, is doing that. And he's constantly asking me, well, what, what should I read next? Now I'm all for recommending parts of the Bible. There are certainly parts of it that I gravitate toward or appreciate the most. John chapter 20, Romans chapter eight, Colossians chapter one, Philippians chapter two, to name a few. But my, my response for my son is more just read it any of it, all of it. Immerse yourself in the stories. I pray that Leslie Ann and I and the home we're creating is helping immerse them in the stories. I pray that the way we are going about doing church together here, because it can't just be me and Leslie Ann, it's helping immerse them and each of us in the stories. We have to live these stories, live in these stories to know what the hero looks like, or we're going to be on the road to Emmaus as well, which by the way, any and all of us will be at some point, and we're not going to recognize the hero. When I think about this encounter, when I think about Jesus interpreting for these two men the things concerning himself in all the scriptures, I think of Reverend Jennings' testimony. And I I think of myself in this story, one of our most potent and powerful stories, one of the stories that I hope we all can see ourselves in and what 
is our hero's superpower? Well, I'm here to tell you, Jesus' superpower was whatever Jesus would have wanted it to be. But the one that Jesus chose above all others is presence. God with us, Emmanuel. So of course he came as a baby. That's how any of us miraculously enter this world. And and his claims about who he is, well, of course that got him killed. Because he was not the kind of king that people expected. These two men on the road to Emmaus, they, they had hoped that he would be the one to redeem Israel. They were as likely as anyone to recognize him, but he didn't come exactly like they thought he was going to come and wield everything okay in that moment. He came offering presence. But of course, death could not hold him because he's God. So he rose from that death. And after that, he had several encounters. Praise God for that. Like the one that we are reading today. And these are not just stories that help us believe more strongly that Jesus really did rise from the dead. They are that, but they're not just that. These are our stories. And as Jesus says in Acts chapter one that we read 20 minutes ago now, we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And that happened at Pentecost. That has happened. The Spirit is with us, acting on us and through us, in us. And we have the very same power that was at work in Jesus as he walked with these two men. That same power is at work in the church today. The Reverend Fred Beekner tells a particularly gripping story of a time in his life that was a very dark time. One of his children was really, really sick. And in his anxiety for his child, he became very sick himself. And then one day the phone rang and it was, it was a friend on the other line, but it was not somebody that, that Bigner was particularly close with yet. Now they are rather close. It was a, a, a pastor friend from Charlotte, North Carolina, which is about 800 miles away from where Bigner pastored, which in Vermont, where he still lives to this day. And Fred assumed he was calling from his home in North Carolina only to hear him say that he was not actually in Charlotte, his friend, but rather was at a hotel about 20 miles away from Fred's house. He said he had known Fred was having troubles and he thought that it might be handy to have an extra friend around for a day or two. Now, the reason he didn't tell Fred in advance that he was going to drive 800 miles to come see him is because he knew that Fred would say, I'm fine. Don't do something so crazy. It was crazy because I don't know, Fred might not even have been at home. He really should have checked before he left, but he didn't. And as luck had it, Fred was home and they spent a couple of days together there. They shared some meals together, took a few walks. They smoked their pipes together. They drove around in the countryside, they spent time together as friends do. And when Fred looks back on those days, he has this to say. I have never forgotten how he came all that distance just for that. And I'm sure he has never forgotten it either. 
I also believe that although I cannot remember anything specific that we discussed about Christ during his visit, Christ was as much in the air we breathed those few days as the smoke of our pipes was in the air or the dappled light of the woods we walked through. I believe that during that time, both of us touched the hem of Christ's garment, or perhaps both of us walked with a stranger who we later understood as Jesus. And both of us, for at least a little while, were healed. Fred's a beautiful writer. Church, it is our call to walk with people on the road to Emmaus. Now, maybe their hope is expressed differently than these two men. It likely is. They had just experienced several days in Jerusalem, and they were very confused about what they had seen. That which people are hoping for is not different than what these two men were hoping for. And it never will be. That will never change. We were hoping that you, that he was the one who would redeem Israel. At some point in the life of every woman and man, they will come to the point where they say we had hoped, I had hoped, I sure hoped. And at that point, may we all find the hero who is Jesus, who is with us, who has claimed us. Let's pray.